Welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast that makes life feel lighter. And if you're wanting to live freed up and not fed up, stay connected right here. Pull up your seat. Join us in this place where faith and mental health meet. I'm your host, Tina Robertson, a mental health therapist and trainer. And whether you're returning here or it's your first time, I hope you find this podcast as a useful resource to elevate your faith and mental health. So stay a while, all of you. We're talking about shifting the shame today, how we do it, one strategy, one approach at a time. So hang tight. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, welcome in. I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us again as we host another episode in our series on shame. Now, I don't know about you, but this thing has been helping me in so many ways. You know, since Freed Up launched three years ago, I've been saying that we were going to host a segment on this topic and it just seemed like it kept getting pushed back. And so I'm really excited that now three episodes in, I can truly say that timing is everything because this feels so very much like a divinely ordered time to feature this discussion on Freed Up. And I know this because some of you have already shared how this is impacting your life right now in some ways that feel very necessary for this season in your life. And I can say that for myself, my hand is raised. I needed to dig deeply into the shame covers in my life for such a time as this. So I'm grateful to God for his timing and his guidance. And that said, before we get into the rest of the episode, I want to tell you that I'm going to do a Q&A episode on shame to respond to some of the questions that you are wondering about. So if you'd like to have your question answered on Freed Up, please send it to connect at freefilledfavored.com. Or if you'd simply like to just share feedback or some successful strategy that's working for you to move shame out of your life, please share that with me as well. I know that within Freed Up Friends listening base, we have so much expertise from professionals and everyday folks who have so much to contribute to this conversation. And I want to hear from you. So I would very appreciate if you will share your insights and specific experiences. And of course, if you want to remain anonymous, we will honor that for sure. Now, if you've listened to Freed Up for a while, then you can probably parrot this statement I'm going to make as I greet those who are joining us for this episode as your first episode in this series. What do I usually say, y'all? Mm-hmm, you already know. Here it is. If you haven't listened to the other episodes on shame, part one and part two, I invite you to go back and take a listen to them. We don't have long episodes on Freed Up just so that you can sit down with each of them, take the time, 20 to 30 minutes tops, generally speaking. So I want to invite you to do that. Today, we're going to talk about some basic steps that can be taken to address and heal from shame. And there are four things that we're going to cover. And remember this, the first step is always the foundational step. And if you don't believe me, 
then try walking up a staircase without taking that first step. Most of the time, people don't make a leap and go to step three or four, right? You could very easily fall. So the first step is pivotal in moving forward. And then you take the next step and so on. I want to give you four basic strategies to start with. They're going to take you deeper, but sometimes we try to do too much in our process of moving through growth and trying to get toward healing. Because if you're like me, I like microwavable moments and don't always exercise a lot of patience. But the steps that I'm going to give you today will be ones that will give you the first steps and really will allow you to take some foundational deep dives into the work that we need to do to shift shame. So the first step is this, reflect and assess. How might shame be hanging out and showing up in your life? Now, remember, I always say this, self-awareness is your superpower, meaning that you can't care for it if you're not aware of it. We can't tame what we can't name. And because shame is so subtly wrapped up and rooted in behaviors and other emotions that we may not have thought about, like worry, anxiety, avoidance, frustration, anger, people-pleasing, perfectionism, lying, staying stuck, trying to control everything in our worlds, among other behaviors, sometimes we really have to stop to assess what is actually showing up in our lives. So you'll need to become a bit of a private investigator for yourself, looking for clues and doing some consistent pattern tracking to see what might be triggering shame to show up for you and then how some of those recurring emotions and behaviors might result from different triggers. And if you're not clear on what a trigger is, it is simply a reminder of something that was painful that causes an emotional response. And so when you can identify what might be causing you to feel shame, you can develop some healthier responses when you feel an overwhelming emotional response to it. Now, here's where it gets pretty challenging, y'all. If you're not used to spending time in honest reflection, you might be tempted to write down surface thoughts and explanations. I'm telling you from experience, okay? So to do this well, you're going to want to commit to being honest and vulnerable with yourself, even if it feels hard to admit and acknowledge some of what comes up for you. Remember, you're working on the truth here because the truth is what gets us to freedom. You're working toward healing. And listen, that may sound like a no brainer, but deeply rooted shame creates an inauthentic version of ourselves. If you remember back to the last episode, when we talked about the false sense of self, it emerges because shame causes us to disconnect from our true authentic being. That means it may take some time to truly get to the core of what has caused you to feel shame and to really understand how it's showing up in your day-to-day experiences and interactions. So give yourself permission to start off with the goal of just learning. Reflecting and assessing helps us learn and you're gonna learn about yourself from yourself. And go slowly, because there's no timer for this, y'all. This is really about drilling down into sensitive and maybe uncharted heart and soul territory to really 
extract and heal the shame that's likely been there for a very long time. Now, as a bit of transparency, last week, something happened that triggered a pretty emotional response from me. I saw something that was written and I imposed my narrative onto it. And that sent me into a ruminating loop, this negative thought spiral. A primary go-to tool for me when I'm emotional is to deep breathe. So I did some deep breathing to settle myself. And then I called a close friend to process it with me. And then when I finished the call with her, I took some time to think through some of the reflection questions that I scribbled out for myself. And after drilling down with those exercises to really elevate what was behind my emotional response, it wasn't so much about what I had read in that post. It wasn't about the person who wrote it. It was about how I had attached my beliefs and thinking pattern onto that situation. And at the root of the hurt and disappointment that I felt, it was this truth. I didn't feel like I was enough. Ooh, hard to even say it, but there it is. And listen, y'all, that was hard for me to admit, but I had to be honest with myself and not try to cover up what I was learning about myself just to make myself feel better in the moment. I sat with that truth for a bit and I knew that the whole process I was engaging in was part of my healing and a really important step to helping me respond differently in the future whenever I might have similar triggers like that. All that to say, sometimes the truth hurts, but knowing the truth is what leads us to getting freed up. So where do you start with your reflections after committing to total honesty with yourself? Here is one option to get you started. Start with writing down the definition of shame, which is shame is an emotion or feeling tied to the belief that we are not worthy of love, of connection or belonging. Got it? So once you have that down, then you can begin to track on the times those situations that have happened where you felt unloved, flawed, like a failure, or that you didn't matter or belong. Well, as opposed to trying to cover a broad period of time, just start with recent situations or those that are most prominent memories for you where you have felt this way. And so you're going to want to sit down and ask yourself a few questions to try and identify the triggers to those shame feelings. Here is a way you can do this. All right, get a sheet of paper and on that paper, create four columns. In each column, the headings will be a specific question to answer. So in the first column, write this. What happened? That goes in your first column. What happened? And in this column, you're going to cover the situation the circumstance that caused the trigger or emotional response for you. So that first column heading is what happened. Okay, the second column, the heading is this, what did I feel? In this column, you're going to name the emotion or feeling that you felt as a result of what happened. So that might be something like, I felt angry. I was sad. I was confused. Okay. And then 
From there, try and remember if you can pinpoint how your body felt. And this may be a little difficult to do because when you think back, you may remember the emotion and maybe not necessarily where you felt that in your body. But just try to remember, like if you were angry, do you generally feel that as a headache? Do you feel your chest being tightened? Um, Do you feel your stomach tensing up? So you'll want to add that into that column as well. And then the third column is this. What was my response? That's your heading. What was my response? And then this column, you're going to include what you were thinking any thoughts that surface for you? What was the story and the narrative that you told yourself about what happened, especially as it relates to you? Got it? And then the fourth column heading will be this. What did I do? What did I do? This column is going to track on the behaviors that followed the occurrence or the situation or circumstance. So that might include something like I isolated myself or I broke down and cried or I called them and I flat cursed them out. Okay, again, this is where you're going to want to be honest with yourself. Now, once you have all your columns in place, you're going to create the number of rows based upon the number of situations that come to mind that you would like to reflect on and process. This makes sense. So that means each row is going to represent a different situation that you want to reflect on and the columns will guide your responses for each. And then once you finish, you'll want to take just some additional time to look at each situation and the responses that you've recorded. What you're looking for here is assessing patterns and themes. So ask yourself, what patterns and themes do I see? Think about if you generally respond in one particular way or are there multiple behaviors that you've engaged in with these different situations and circumstances? Is your story and narrative similar? What does that narrative point to? What might that story that you're telling yourself mean to you and where could that have come from? Okay, so here's the last thing on that. This exercise is going to take time, y'all, so don't rush through it. You may not be able to process multiple situations at once, and that is okay. Just get started, and you can add on as you go. Take your time. All right, so that's your first strategy, y'all. The second one is to track on the body. Track what's happening in the body. Pay attention to what's going on in your body because your body and your brain are partners. They are buds. They work together. They don't do anything without each other, okay? When we track on the body, this is what we call somatic experiencing. The body keeps the score and it's the holder of our emotions and responses to very experiences that we've had and to the narratives that we've believed over time, positive or negative. When we haven't felt safe, seen or heard, validated, or loved, or had our basic emotional needs met, those emotions and feelings from those deficits become encoded in our nervous system as bodily memories. So for example, let's say as a child, your caregiver or your parent routinely didn't pay attention to you when you were hurt by something or someone. Instead, they might have said something like, okay, suck it up, 
Get over it. I'll give you something to cry about. We all have to deal with tough things in life. Well, your body stored that narrative in your hippocampal area of the brain, but it also stored the memory in your nervous system. So maybe when you heard that, you would get tense in your full body or your chest would hurt or your jaws would hurt because of being tensed up. Maybe you dropped your head and your shoulders because these shame contributing statements often make us behave in those type of ways. And over time, as you've grown up and you've had many other experiences since, you may not have noticed that when something is said or done that makes you feel less than or like a failure, you can't understand why your chest hurts. You really hadn't made the connection because you didn't know to track on your body for emotions and sensations in responses to triggers. Remember this, we cannot think our way out of shame or most painful emotional responses like anger and frustration, because we've all tried that, right? We have to help our body feel regulated, safe, and help it to recode and reconfigure its memories in order to begin releasing some of the pain from that emotion that is trapped inside of our body. And it is only then that we can truly and deeply tap into the next place where we start to change the narratives that have kept shame around for a long time. So pay attention to what your body does and how it feels when you are experiencing recurrent body sensations that make you feel uncomfortable. What sensation are you feeling? Where is it located? Does it have a color to it? How big is it? How long is it? Describe it. Yes, I know this all feels very weird at first, but it will begin to teach you this process about what your body has been holding onto for some time. If you feel like you want to disconnect from someone or run from a problem situation, track on what your body is feeling. If you want to lash out at someone or are feeling jealous or insecure, track on what your body sensations are. Let your body feel the emotion. Maybe even the pain or the overwhelm. Don't stop it. Don't avoid it. Don't find things to numb it. If you don't feel it, you can't heal it. So notice it, then feel it, track it, then you can soothe it, self-soothe it, because you are responsible for your responses to your emotions and feelings. Don't try and make somebody else do that work for you. It is yours to do. And if you don't know what's happening in your body, you can't be effective in doing something about it. So tracking is going to be a critical step for learning to soothe yourself. And shame can make us feel lots of different ways that we may not know is shame rooted. Tracking on your body and what it's feeling is definitely going to help you learn how to get to shame. This may be a very good place to do work with a therapist to help you learn more strategies around somatic experiencing and regulating your nervous system. All right, y'all good? Because we're getting ready to hit step number three. This one's important. Treat yourself to self-compassion. You know, 
We often treat ourselves with lots of self-care remedies, right? When we're stressed and overwhelmed. So we might go get a massage. We might take a trip to get away and relax. We might buy ourselves a new outfit or a pair of shoes. We might even splurge on our favorite steak meal that we can't afford too often. But one very important strategy for healing shame is treating yourself with self-compassion. Now, this is one we've talked about on Freed Up many times before and will continue to because it's so important in our overall healing and wellness process. But why is it important in particular for shame? Well, because shame is built on narratives that we've told ourselves based upon our experiences and they get embedded in our core beliefs and that causes us to not feel valued or lovable. Shame has a language, and it is absolutely not a love language. It is an inner critic. It is intended to keep you undercover for as long as possible. And as a result of our buy-in to shame's disaffirming beliefs and critical judgments about us, we learn to be unkind to ourselves in many ways. We penalize ourselves with harsh words or actions when we fail at something or keep falling short, like when we're trying to change old patterns. We may say things to ourselves like, I'll never get this right, or if I hadn't put myself out there, I wouldn't feel this way. I should know better by now. But when we show compassion to ourselves in a situation like this, we can say this instead. Yes, I've been struggling with shame in my life for a long time. But even though I mess up frequently, each time I try, I get better and I get wiser. See the difference? We can also be unkind to ourselves when we're going through a hard time or a difficult season in life and we feel like we're in it by ourselves. Shame's language may say this. Life never works out for me. I always seem to get the short end of the stick or I'm not even going to try anymore. What's the point? But self-compassion steps in and says, life is not easy, but I am resilient and I've made it through tough times before. I'll make it through again, even if it takes me a little longer than I want. You're tracking on the difference in how compassion is showing kindness to you. And then sometimes we tend to find ourselves shaming ourselves when we are overly conscious of a flaw or a weakness we have. Shame may speak to us in this way. Everybody knows I'm the screw up in the bunch or nobody wants to be what they and you fill in the blank for whatever that is that you've probably told yourself before. But here is what self-compassion can say. Nobody's perfect including the people that I think have a problem with me. Everybody has weaknesses and I choose to see mine as an opportunity for growth and not one for griping and a way to have empathy for others. Okay, so y'all get the picture now, right? Listen, when we show self-compassion, which is often really, really hard to do when our body memories are getting in the way, which is why, by the way, we have to do the body work so that it can signal to our mind that it is safe to make changes. Self-compassion steps in to be the empathy that we need for ourselves. 
Yes, self-compassion is empathy that we would show to others in their times of difficulty. And we simply just turn that on ourselves. Self-compassion is remembering that we are all working through shame and that we have all had experiences that have hurt us, wounded us, and we all have space for growth and change. It calls us to remember that there is no temptation or situation that comes to us, but that which is common to all of us. Self-compassion also helps us practice the mindfulness that lets us tap into these emotional, mental, and spiritual resources that help us heal in our own time, our own space, in our own way, because our experiences, while common in general, are unique to us. Self-compassion's voice is what puts realistic expectations back onto the table for us because we often too hard on ourselves. So be gentle with yourself because years of spiraling will take time for rewiring. And life doesn't stop while you're on this journey, y'all. So live, laugh, love, y'all know that quote, and keep living. And as we show compassion, which is basically love and patience and kindness to ourselves, then we are ready to do the next step, which is the fourth strategy. We're ready to rewrite the stories and the narratives that keep us locked into shame. That fourth strategy is to rewrite stories and narratives. When we rewrite shame narratives, that simply is about telling the truth. It's truth telling. It's tapping into our authentic selves and who we are at our created core and replacing the lies shame told us. Rewriting our stories allows us to get freed up, not by sugarcoating or minimizing the experiences, but putting them into the proper context and frame, being guided by these truths. You are and have always been worthy of love. You are lovable and you don't have to earn that love. As you start to rewrite your story and recreate the narratives around shame, you can start this off on your own, but if you get tripped up, be sure you seek out help from someone who can be your accountability partner. And if it gets to be a little bit more than both of you can handle, you'll want to find a professional counselor or therapist to walk you through. Because sometimes the shame runs so deep that it takes somebody else to help you pull up from its grip and they can help you to create new neural pathways in your brain to unlock the mental and emotional imprints that it's left behind. All right. So listen, this was a lot in this episode to take in. We are out of time for today, but when we get to our Q&A episode that I talked about earlier, I'm going to get a little bit deeper into this strategy of rewriting our stories as we often refer to it, restoring our lives. So be sure you come back for that because that work is arguably the most pivotal part of the work in shifting shame. But for the next episode, cross your fingers, y'all, because I'm hoping to have on a guest to talk about the hope that lies in our quests to shift shame out of our lives. And by the way, I'm so glad y'all are here. I feel so blessed to know that we are walking this path together as freed up friends. So don't forget God loves you. I love you. And make sure you take care of you.